Hello, friends. It's me, your very best friend on the internet, Business Cat. I missed you. Welcome back. It's the Rock, Paper, Bitcoin podcast, and you found your way back. In this episode, Fundamentals and I, we talk about, we, we got meta. You know, you're listening to a podcast. We talked about podcasts. We talked about how we listen to them. We talked about which ones we listen to and why we listen to them. We got into the idea of focus and why it's important to uh, spend your attention wisely. We talked a bit about generational threats, and uh, we ended by talking about revealing truth and how to put yourself in a position to be lucky. If you like our content and would like to support the show, listen using a podcast and 2.0 app and stream us sats. That's all, it's as easy as that. You can send us a comment with a boostergram, send us some sats, that's all it takes. We're supported by you. If you're a Bitcoin miner and you're feeling generous, you can contribute a bit of your hash power to us using any Lincoin Stratum address with our username, Rock Paper Bitcoin. Connection details are in the show notes. And finally, dear listener, thank you for listening. It means a lot to us. You know, we're happy you're here. We're nothing without you. And we love you. Let's get into it. Hey, that's my Cedric Youngman impersonation. Hopefully. Hey! <laughs> Welcome to Rock, Paper, Bitcoin. Man, I, you might say I sound normal, but I still sound weird in my ears. I sound nasal. No, I would never insult you. I would never insult you so much to say you sound normal. <laughs> well, yeah, people don't know. I, uh, I've been hacking and uh, sneezing and coughing up a lot lately, so I sound weird in my ears, but I may have to chop out a few like coughs and hacks and wheezes, but we'll see. Maybe I'll just leave it in, because, you know, editing sucks. Just leave it in, man. This is, um, I don't know. Like, it is what it is, right? We get, we get head colds, man. There's the first one. Get head well, colds. I like to think I'm mostly past it, but apparently I'm not. I'm still coughing shit up. So yuck. Anyway, this is what you know. You're a trooper, man. You just come show up because we said we would do this, and you just like texted me early, like, dude, I'm here. Are we doing this? Well, I mean, even even with being sick, I mean, I'm still going to the chiropractor today. It's like there's shit I got to do. It's like the world doesn't stop because I, I have a sniffle. It's, it's true. Well, it shouldn't. <laughs> Sometimes it does. God damn it. It should. The world should revolve around me. It's but true. It doesn't. It really sucks. I mean, I have to say, I mean, when you have a head cold, it's like nobody on earth gives a shit right and like to us it feels like like how could you guys not see it's the worst thing in the world going on yeah i sucks. joked with my wife that uh, like so so we just had our second kid and i joked with her like so we were in the delivery room and for a brief a brief period of time you knew what it was like for me to have a cold <laughs> that's funny. she hit me she hit me a little bit but you know you know <laughs> that's funny so um Good. It's good. We last time we talked was Satoshi Saturday. That was like ages, ages ago. It's already November four, man. Right. Look time flies. Um, it's been a. It was a fun week though, right? We no were, ETF yet. <laughs> no ETF yet. I mean, we may not talk about the ETF at all today, which would be kind of cool. Although we may have to. We obliquely. just did. Shit. Damn. Damn it. Damn it. Um, we. We had been trying, I think, for several, several weeks to get the foursome together on high hash rate. And 
at long last. In fact, for the first, I don't know, 45 minutes, didn't look like it was going to happen because it was just you, me, and Dan. Mm. And then finally Mike came on and the fireworks, the fireworks started going off. I feel like when the, the energy with the four of us being together, I think was kind of special. He really, yeah, we were having a good time, but he really completed the energy circle. Completed the energy circle for sure, right? <laughs> it was a great time, dude. I mean, Jesus Christ, I, I, talking. Yeah, I don't know about you, right? I, I know you got you. You're in touch with these guys all the time. I'm in touch with them a lot, and I'm like, maybe this is. We'll always be talking about something that's like, let's just talk about it when we're together. Let's just talk about it when we're on air, right? Yeah. And then. Yeah, the day comes and we don't talk about any of these things. <laughs> <laughs> we we go off in different directions. Yeah, it's true. They they had it. I mean, it's. I feel like we we call it their their our brother or sister podcast, but uh, like it, we we. I feel like we have a good back and forth with them, and they they indicated that we may start doing like maybe a quarterly show together or something. I don't know, some kind of regularity, regularity, and we'll make it. Uh, we'll figure out the kinks of having four people on mic at the same time and figuring out who talks when. At Especially, some point, we'll figure it out. It's like, those guys are great about that. It's you and I. We have no idea, right? It's really true. <laughs> we we can't even figure out two people on this podcast. Yeah, they and they, yeah they 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 go with a guest and figure it out. I mean, for those of you, for those of you who've never listened to High Hash Rate, I mean, just go check them out, right? But like, I think their their gift is just a way to like light a tiny little match and then let sort of let the guest go burn with the idea right they just kind of light the match and run away not like run away but like give give space right they're very good at giving space giving fuel to conversations yeah they'll and, they'll um, just they'll put you in yeah. a good position to talk and then let you go but giving that space to both business cat and i at the same time it's becomes you know like okay who has the ball here <laughs> and like um yeah it was just but it was you know i mean i think like sorting that out too like giving us the space to sort this out it's like we are building a relationship here like a bit like i know business guy and i are building a relationship for the future we're building and i think those guys are included in that so yeah. check them out and um yeah it'll be coming luck- out at some point yeah. I, don't, I don't know when if we're the next episode or whatever they have in their queue but at some point in the future look forward to it because it's coming well, they're on the clock, okay? Because I was on another podcast last week that is already out, and many of you, not, I know, Business Cat has been um, delinquent I, so I far, but he hasn't. I he hasn't heard it yet. yet. No, no. <laughs> but no. Um, so, if another another, I think a guy who's becoming a friend, um, and his name is Sly Goomba. And actually, I honestly never, I didn't know who he was until. When the first time the high hash rate guys asked me, you know, try to plan the first episode, I decided to go see their podcast, and it was a conversation with him, and I was like, oh, this guy is kind of cool, and it just stuck in my head, and then we started DMing, and again, just like, oh, let's, planning for probably months of trying to get on his podcast. He has a, So his podcast is called Why Bitcoin? And once I figured that out, I have to say, like, that that struck me. And I was like, I wonder if there's any connection to um, to Tomer's Strolite, because Tomer's Strolite has a book of that name, Why Bitcoin? And it turns out, I, you know, they're connected. They're early episodes, they're on together. And um, so there's some relationship there. And um, 
anyway, so I got. It was a great conversation. I'm go and I, I'm bringing it up. Two reasons. One is um, he gave me the greatest title. Now, guys, Business Cat is like a, this dude's really good at creating titles. Uh, right? I mean, I'm all right, he, but I, I agree. Many, yeah, the title of your it, of your episode is excellent. He nailed it. How many Wednesdays have I texted you? It's like, oh my god, what a great freaking title, right? It happens a lot, but like. I want to like. I just want to read a couple. Like, I, I want to show you guys the title of my of this episode, but I want to put it in context. I want to put it in the context of the other, the other uh, titles he has, like the other guests and titles he has had in the last couple of weeks. Okay. Do it. Okay. So, and maybe this is also partly. I want I want you guys to know the kind of people he has on a show, and I don't have an inferiority complex about it. It's just. He's, this guy has some very strong guests, and he gives them more respectful titles than the one he gave me. <laughs> but here we go. Okay. Svetsky. Spirit of Satoshi. J.W. Weatherman. It's got to be open source. American HODL. The best Bitcoin critics are Bitcoiners. Uh, TC. Time chain calendar. Bitcoin is truth. Nuclear Bitcoiner, no title. And now here is Fundamentals. Oh my God, OMG, I'm a stupid person. And that's a, it's a powerful list. And I immediately DM'd him. I said, dude, this is the same thing, uh, Business Cat. You remember when I DM'd you and I said, um, this is when you decided to just take control of the music of the podcast and mm-hmm. stop, using, stop using my own. Like I was... I was proud that I had made my own clips of, you know, for my podcast and everything like that. But, like, your decision to take over the music was clearly a great one, and I knew it immediately, and I wanted you to know. Like, in case you had any reservations that you were insulting me about it, right? right. I wanted no, I'm, you to I'm know really immediately. glad that you reached out and told me that, because it definitely crossed my mind. It's like, I, I, I had originally told you, I was like, hey, I know you play guitar. Can you lay down some tracks? to like do like transitions, intros, yeah. outros for the show. And you very generously did that. And then I decided, okay, you know what? I'm not going to use it. So I was very thankful for you to reach out and tell me that I didn't have to worry about that. It was that. clearly the right thing. And I wanted you to know in case, you know, in case right. somehow you actually did care, <laughs> you know, about my feelings. Like I was worried that you might. And I wanted you to know, no, keep running in this direction completely. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the nature of what I immediately, I immediately DM'd. Sly, and I was like, "Dude, just in case you think I might, in some way, be self-conscious or insulted by that title, please l- know that I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. And if you guys listen to the conversation, you'll know why. And um, you know what? Like, I'm actually pretty proud of my ability to stay humble and my ability. You know, it's the nature of." The nature of me saying that and him quoting me and that being the most memorable part of the podcast was actually what, you know, the thing he was mostly interested in in beginning to talk to me about was like, how did I go? He's heard our show um, and he's like, how did I go from being kind of like woke supremacist? Like, like, how did I go from that to becoming to where um, you are now? To be finding even finding Bitcoin, right? And in a lot of it was realizing what a dumb, sh- like how how dumb I'm being, and you know. So that's the thing he locked onto, and I think it it's an important 
you know, stay humble, stack sats. I think these are important things, and I want you guys to know that um, it's a beautiful, like, I've never, I've often not read more beautiful words than OMG, I'm a stupid person, next to my name. <laughs> well, I gotta listen to it, I'm, I'm, especially with, like, you give me that level of uh, citation on it. Hell yeah, now I'm I gotta give to him shit. I gotta give him a little bit of shit, though, because... Now, you guys are going to know what I'm talking about, but, like, with about three minutes... Oh, and by the way, we squeezed this in. Like, I knew... We knew we were going to do a high hash rate at 11 p.m., and he texts me that same night. And he's like, you want to you, you want to do tonight? Is there any way? Like, after months and after months, we were like, can you just do now? And I was like, yeah, great. I'm staying up anyway. Beautiful, right? But, like, we started bumping up against potentially, you know potentially the high hash rate slot we were going a little almost to an hour and with about three minutes left he asked me hey what are your thoughts on the blackrock etf <laughs> like three minutes you know, i didn't even like it didn't even register like how much time i had left i knew it was three minutes left but i somehow in my brain was like oh yeah let me still try to answer this and it was that i did not land that plane very well and um but like what i'm giving him shit about a little bit is um <laughs> I was like, have you ever listened, you know, have you listened to us? And he's like, yeah, dude, I've listened to like everyone. And like, I was like, okay, because it'd be hard to miss the BlackRock talk a little bit, right? But I get like you guys are multitasking and you guys are probably on Twitter scrolling or you're doing real work somewhere in the world sure. while you listen. And that's cool. So I want to relay one thing that him feeling maybe a little bit self-conscious about that fact, he wanted me to... He wanted to pass on, um, maybe privately, but I'm going to say it in front of everybody, that he act- actually really loves Business Cat's work of editing and cutting the end of every episode and dropping a musical track. And I concur. Thank you, obviously, dude. And I wanted to put that out there. I, I always, every time I edit the end of it, I always wonder, like, this probably, like, I, I'm putting, I'm chopping in, like, a music cue here, but probably nobody's going to hear it, because they'll all have stopped listening by now anyway. That's what, that's what I'm always telling myself in my brain whenever I'm doing it, so it's nice to hear that people appreciate it. That's awesome. Yes, yeah, so he, what he likes about the show certainly is art, the artistic non-content that we provide. <laughs> and we, it's going to take time, it takes time. And I'm glad. I'm so glad he's going to have me on again next week. It was so. Here's the worst part of it, right? When he goes, "So tell me what you guys, what you think about the ETF," and I'm, I said, "Like, well, I think it matters." And I hear immediately on his side, "Ugh," <laughs> so, like this sound of disappointment. And then I realized I'm only going to have like three minutes to like somehow yeah. transform that to a. Oh, I guess I get it. Well, you're going back <laughs> on, so you can you can expand that three minutes out to another hour. And yeah, and so. He, Look, again, shout out Slide Goomba. Here's a guy that I definitely think there's just potential, again, for us, for relationship. That we seem to get each other on a certain level. He, he and I disagree on a nice amount of things that I think it made makes for good conversation and progress. And I think people listening will see some progress, right? I like being challenged, as you guys know. And it's hard to not, you know, you only get, you know, I get challenged when I'm when I don't expect it, right? Um, I expect it from you, but I don't like. You know, most people don't. They just don't have the the frame, right, to challenge somebody who has a lot of conviction. 
mm, right? That's Even true. Just in, in the world. And I should be expecting it when I should be when I'm talking to most of you guys. But, some, you know, you're in the world and everyone is so spineless that no one really puts up much of a fight. Well, most people, when they say things, they're repeating something else they heard. They're not speaking from, like, first principles or something they actually care about. They're repeating something that somebody they like said for most even things. They, and they yeah. don't want to end up like the guy in Goodwill Hunting. You know, who gets like, oh, yeah, you must have read, uh, you know. <laughs> right, yeah, n nobody wants to be in that position. Of you must have read Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, you got that clearly out of a blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but so, again, that's, I was like, uh, Sly immediately, he just like, I have to disagree with like s just several things that, several things that I said, which is awesome. That was really what carried most of the hour. I love well, listening to it. I think you guys will like it. We've already been pretty meta talking about podcasts on our podcast. Let's keep talking about podcasts. Like, okay, okay, so what podcast apps do you use to listen to podcasts? I assume you listen to, you, being that you're now, like, having been on a couple podcasts, you probably listen to quite a few podcasts. What podcast apps do you use? I, I really use, I use Fountain. That's your primary driver? Really, it, I, well, I want to say exclusively, but obviously, not obviously, but I mean, YouTube, when I'm, like, in front of a TV, Mm, okay. I'll see. I'll, I'll you. Uh, I will see some podcasts on YouTube. Like I did RHR. I usually do RHR on YouTube. Interesting. Okay. I, I hardly ever use YouTube for for any of my podcasts. I use Fountain is most of my daily driving now. Probably like eighty percent of my podcasts I, I use Fountain for now. Before Fountain, I was using Overcast as my primary podcast app, and that's still. I still have one in there. I listen to or actually a couple in there. Um, but yeah, like there's a couple that I have uh, like private RSS feeds for that I still use Overcast for, and then the other one I use is Spotify. Like I have to listen to Rogan through Spotify. So I can, so I've got so I have three different apps that I use for podcasts, and uh, yeah, man, they've just been piling up. Like there's that new you Elon. Clean that up. Elon has was on, was on Rogan, like and they did that whole Cybertruck shit. It's like I've got to listen to that just to be to, to stay up to date culturally with what's going on in the world. Like people are gonna. How many, people are going to reference that interview, so I have to see it. How many podcasts are, are in your fountain queue right now? In my fountain queue, that's a good question. Uh, so just in the queue is nineteen, but that's yeah, that's just the queue. I mean, if I go over to my, I've already been yeah, kind of you know like I mean, trimming right? out and like chopping out all the ones down at the bottom that are too too out of date to really matter anymore. Yeah, I have twenty one in my queue. One of them's a like has two minutes left and it's still sitting in there. So I'll say it properly. I have 20 sitting in my queue. It, it does get over a little overwhelming. And now, um, you know, in fountain, I have a couple of starred podcasts, right? The ones that like, and so obviously us HHR and now Sly's why Bitcoin podcast is starred. I consider like listening to podcasts as part, I mean, like, I, I have left the fiat world largely. I'm, I'm out in the Bitcoin standard world now. Um, but like listening to podcasts is part of my job. Like it's how I, it's, it's what makes me competitive in the marketplace is because I have up to date information. And so like sorting out the psyops from the truth, I was like, I mean, especially in like, okay, well we're now in like, there's, there's a second front to World War III and like figuring out what's true there and what's not to, to keep, to stay relevant and keep my moral compass calibrated. It's like, you got to stay up to date with stuff. So that's, that's a tough job. I don't know that that's a lot to put on a podcast. It's it a is, lot I mean, of responsibility that, to put you gotta on listen some to a, You can't people. put on one podcast. You got to put it, you got to spread that out across a lot of different sources. 
So like I per like I can say like I hate listening to podcasts. There's a couple podcasts I listen to that I despise the people that put them out, but the information that they may have access to that they may just talk about um, is it's too valuable to not listen to it. Uh, an, an example is Preet Bharara's podcast. Preet Bharara is the former um, yeah, chief was, justice of the yeah. Southern District of New York. He's the guy I that. You were gonna, I thought you were going to talk. About, I thought you were going to say a Swan, the Swan Daily podcast. Oh no! I well, I mean, so like, Cafe the, Bitcoin. <laughs> that's even more great. So like, there's the Bitcoin podcast that I have to listen to to stay up to date with what's going on in Bitcoin, and then there's all the, the right. other podcasts for the world. But yeah, um, Got it. The, so like, the one that I listen to most frequently that I hate listen to is Stay Tuned with Preet, Preet Bharara. Okay. You know? Do you know who Preet Bharara is? I do. Thanks to my time on on my time with CNN, I'm aware. Okay. Yeah, of... I mean, he's in that world, and I mean, he he was the person who decided not to prosecute anybody, any of the bankers on Wall Street. He was he was the lead prosecutor of the Southern District of New York when that happened, and it ultimately came down to his desk to decide whether or not to issue any. And anyway, so anyway, so that that was like the the first thing that put him on my radar of knowing who he was. But then when he got out of that, I mean, he tried briefly to have a political career and didn't have much success with it. So he, but he was hired by this podcast network to start a podcast. Stay tuned to Preet, and him and his former podcast host that he started it with, she is now like a highly placed individual in the Biden administration. She left the she left the podcast to go work for the Biden administration. So occasionally she comes back on with uh, like um, interviews and stuff. But I mean, they're clearly she and she and Preet have a close relationship. They clearly are communicating on their own outside of this. So it's like it's one of these things. Like he's he is a detestable human being. He's one of the most clear examples of like a wolf masquerading in sheep's clothing. Like if you don't know anything about him and just listen to him, he seems like the sweetest, uh, a sweet, nice, nice Indian American guy. He's a normal very intelligent person who has America's best interest at heart um, but like I've been listening to him for years at this point and it's like oh I, I see through your the the veneer of who you are now and so be, and because of who you are you have access to information that potentially is valuable enough that I have to listen to not everything that you put out but okay like I watch to see who his guests are and there, there are yeah. some guests with, that when they come on a show I'll listen to it because I'm gonna hear that perspective of like the state Democrat, like that, that perspective of where they, where they are mentally and what, what they're trying to sell to their audience. So, I mean, like mm. that kind of stuff is like part of the job, like, okay, if you want to stay accurate on the game board of where the species is right now, like socioeconomically, it's like, you've got to listen to like all of these different goddamn sources and feeds. Drop, is it, does it need context or do you just want to drop a nugget for people who don't want to go there? Uh, what, what do you mean? Drop a nugget. Like a nugget of, of of knowledge from this detestable source. Uh, I mean, it's like I, <laughs> I I see how they are processed. Like I know how I perceive um, America and like our our what we're doing militarily around the world. I know my I know my perspective on that. But getting into somebody else's head on their perspective on that is like next to impossible unless you do the work to do it. So like I, I look to somebody like Preet Bharara. Preet Bharara has been like raw rawing the Ukraine war the whole time. I mean because he had to. I don't feel that he is necessarily personally a war hawk, but I mean he's in these circles where he has to say certain things to make to like to, to placate the crowd, to placate the audience. And um, like these people all have jobs to maintain their access. Yes, right. and that's their jobs, and they—they're playing a game. Yeah. What we don't know is whether they fully 
understand the PSYOP and are still just have to do their jobs or whether they're just acting in their own incentives, not even knowing the PSYOP and still doing their jobs. Yeah. So like if I have to like look at America as a single, like take all of the disparate, crazy spread out bits of like American psyche and then mash them together into a cartoon character, I come up with the concept of, oh, well, we are Wile E. Coyote who's run off the cliff. And right now, like, we're looking down, and we realize we've run off the cliff, but we haven't fallen yet, because you don't fall until you've realized that you've run off the cliff, and, like, there's that moment, there's that real moment of realization. And mm-hmm. me, you and me, Bitcoiners, we're the part of this superorganism, the, this cartoon superorganism, that are looking down. Like, we see that we've run off the goddamn cliff, and we're screaming, like, hey, like, let's do something about this, let's fix the problem. And... But like the the part of the superorganism that is still like running forward, not re- not realizing that that's like the Netflix and chill people. That's that's the Democrats. That's the leftists who are like trying, still believing that if they incorporate the ideas of uh, chairman of uh, like communism and Marxism, that oh, if we only did it right this time, like then we could fix the ship. We like if we only seize the money printers now, we could do it right. Not realizing that the the problem that, that communists and Marxists don't understand the fundamental problem that they're trying to fix, which is why they try to fix it by just printing more money and, and seizing the means of production. And so I, I try to, like, so me, like this uh, Preet Bharara's podcast, like, this is a view into the communists, the communist mindset. And they are starting to come to the realization that we've run off the cliff. So, like, that's what I've been waiting. That's one of the reasons to listen to what they're saying is because when they start, say, like, realizing, like, oh, Oh, what is the dollar? Like, why are we printing more dollars if the world doesn't want? Like, that's the realization. Like, they're starting to realize the problem is greater than um, the incentives of, of man. The, the, the problem <laughs> is, is in the, the tools that they've been using to try to incentivize man. And, like, what okay, if- when they realize that, that's when we look down and we fall. Well, okay, right. Now, what if people, like, preet, right? And you call communists and Marxists, right? What if they know there's no problem, right? And they're manufacturing a problem. They're actually manufacturing a problem because that is what gives them access to the money printer for their own for their own desires. There actually is no problem. Well, I mean, I don't agree that there's no problem, but yes, absolutely. He is in that class of people who have been dividing the rest of us so they can stay in power. Problem. I mean that that requires collectivism and the you know, take over by the state of people's gotcha. rights yeah, and liberties. Right. Like the, the communist idea is that, okay, well, we, if we can divide them, we can sell them a solution. And the solution is give us more power over you. The illusion is they're one of like the, you know, downtrodden and they are speaking or they're at least speaking on behalf of those people, right? But this is yeah. really just what, this is part of the mechanism of democracy, right? That is the ultimate ultimately ends up as a right to plunder by the many of the few, right? And so when you have a t- somebody who is so powerful in this game, right? Somebody like this guy, Preet, who mm-hmm. understands this game at the... Like, he can literally... He literally moves the pieces around in this game. Um, yeah. You know, you wonder if he is just a minute... You know, also... Not that you wonder, right? You're like, okay, this guy is a total fraud, and he's actually a puppet master. He's a puppet master creating a problem, not solving a problem. Creating a yeah. problem because he's has he has audience capture. The right? people in this call, right? People, 
they're either the yeah. dumb masses who are the targets, or they know better. I mean, and yeah, I truly, yeah, Preet Bharara is a person who knows better. He knows what he's doing. He knows that he's selling a product, and I mean, it's just, he knows he's on a team, and he's flying the team flag. Yeah, because that team, like, you know, like an NBA team, you, you get money every year by being a team, right? <laughs> every year the NBA gives you a portion of its revenues if you're one of those 32 teams. And we don't realize it in our system, in our fiat cum lord system, but that we have teams. And I guess those teams may be um, defined by their victimhood, possibly. Um, I don't, it's hard to say exactly what they're defined by, but that we do have teams and everyone's expected to play on them. If you try to if you try to get off the team or say that your team isn't really in trouble, you get in a lot of you get in a lot of trouble in this world. Um, I think the the only other uh, content that I can think of that I've hate consumed was the uh, Eric Townsend of the Macro Voices podcast wrote a book on um, crypto technology years ago. Which even then I, I knew that this this guy doesn't get it, but I, I wanted to consume his book to figure out exactly how he didn't get it. Um, but yeah. It's, is, is, I don't, is there any podcast that you listen to, like you, you hate listen to, or uh, like you're just doing no, reconnaissance? No, actually, so I was, I, I was going to say, all of my 21 podcasts in my queue mm-hmm. are Bitcoin podcasts, with the exception of Matt and Shane's secret podcast, Matt, i.e. Yeah, Matt McCusker, yeah, yeah. Shane, Shane Gillis. Um, those are my boys. So that it's like, I don't, I, oh God, I would have a hard time. I, mean, I feel like it took me so much effort to get off of like mainstream media, right? Mm-hmm. It, it took me so much to get off of that. And I benefited so much from staying away from that. That, I don't know, it's like it just maybe, you know, this was, when I got into Bitcoin, I've told, I've told a lot of people this. I, Nobody Caribou was the guy who was making the content that I was consuming. And he had this thing that he said that really resonated with me, which is that a well-curated t- Twitter feed is probably more valuable than even Bitcoin itself, <laughs> right? Like I mean, a well-curated it, it, Twitter feed it's the is one of the most valuable suite, things they, you can... Yeah, absolutely. It's like this, it's the censor suite of the Starship Enterprise. Like the Enterprise knows where it is because it has sensors. Twitter or X is that censor suite. If like, if as like, with the big asterisks, yeah, well-curated. Yeah. And... I mean, I think even like this whole the, the blue check system has helped has helped the curation of this because I basically I don't know about you, but like I in the last couple of months I've removed like a thousand follows because and, and it's just easy. It's like if you're a blue check and you don't either follow me or provide like significant value. So like a blue check I'd still follow was like Dylan Leclerc, right? Mm-hmm. But like if you're not on that level. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not following you. And you know what? Even though I don't follow you, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna hear from you anyway. And I know that, so that makes it a lot easier to just not have you be in my follows, right? Because you're you know, still gonna get quote tweeted, <laughs> retweeted, and all that stuff. I'm still gonna see all that. I have to point out. I mean, you you follow me, don't you? I, I'm a blue check. Well, you follow me back. I, I this is true. If you stop I just, following me back, you'd in be the gone. past month, I decided, <laughs> like in the past, I think it was the past month, I I decided that I, I that I'm gonna pay for Twitter Blue for a year, and the same the Telegram Premium thing, I I bought that for Premium for a year as well. 
just because uh, purely from the uh, perspective of like the amount of value I'm getting out of these these two applications, it's like I want them to continue existing. I don't and I don't want to. I don't want hmm. other means of monetization of me. I would rather pay directly, and so I want to encourage that. So I decided, you know what? I'm gonna like. There's been a lot said about blue checks, but I want Elon to continue yeah. doing what he's doing. So I'm gonna give him a hundred bucks a month or a year to for the freaking blue check. I briefly yeah, consider really you, you can get a blue me. check and then turn it off. I, I I considered that, but then I thought like that's a really bitch move to do to pay for it and then not be man enough to yeah. So. I left it on. But once they had, it's like you can't turn it off because once they have your KYC, like it's basically it's all about KYC capture. That's what the blue check, at least that's what say people like Matt O'Dell, um, you know, people who are in the freedom tech movement will say about the blue check, right? The adversarial mindset is that the blue check is um, is a way to continue to shadow ban people who don't use it. And it's really it's about getting your information, and once they have it, they have it, and you know it's definitely true. The slippery slope, um, you know, it's interesting. Like you know, I'd prefer it's, Elon it's to have my information than my bank personally. But hey, you got I, I got to dance with devils in, the, in this. It's true. Like we're we're living in the age of fiat, and there's freaking like Satanist pedophiles here, and like I literally have is, bank accounts with Satanist pedophiles. But you know, I think yeah, okay, Elon, you can have my info. Probably I. This is probably why I do, I never see posts of yours on Twitter. Never see them. Like I see actually even when you post from the Rock Paper Bitcoin podcast account, like I never actually see them in my feed. I have to search for them. That's interesting. And I'll see that I'll see that um, people liked um, something that I was mentioned in, and that's how I'll see it. Mm-hmm. But I don't ever I don't ever see stuff from you in my feed. Well, I don't post super frequently, but yeah, that's I know, that's interesting. I know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, look, for the listeners, guys, like, Business Cat is one of the least people, I think, on planet Earth corrupted by fiat. You know? <laughs> well, thank you. And, you know, right? Clearly, you're, you're on that list too, man. You're, well, you're on a level that I aspire to, for sure, right? And, you know, not, some, some, some of these guys have their reasons for getting blue checks. And if they follow you, go ahead and keep following them. <laughs> yeah. But you may not see their posts. The uh I mean the, the goal is to become unbuyable in as many dimensions as possible. Obviously, I am buyable if you get the right leverage on me, but the goal is to decrease that attack surface to as large a degree as possible. And yeah, separating yourself out from the fiat the fiat system to as great a degree as possible, man, it makes it difficult for me to care about when like people threaten me with money problems, it's like okay. Yeah, but so being shadow banned within a group of sort of Bitcoiners that choose chose not to get blue checks for the most part, I'm pretty okay with. And you know, between yeah, you know, between Twitter and Telegram, um, I don't have to watch TV, and I really don't. I don't have to regularly listen to. Um, the podcasts of people that I don't like, although I see why I see why you do that. <laughs> it's reconnaissance. I'm, re- going, I'm doing a reconnaissance on enemy territory. Well, that's yeah, it. right. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes reading a bestseller will do that too. Like I'm about to read a, a I'm, <laughs> I'm about to read a bestseller because I'm about to finish a book. Um, 
and it's called Stolen Focus, and it happens to be a bestseller. But every, like all of the faculty in my kid's school read it, and so now I want to know what the hell they're doing. Mm, okay. But it actually looks like a pretty good, insightful book, but like, you know what I mean? You, you know it's Stolen like Focus? Approved. Stolen Focus, and it's, a, it's a, apparently it's, it's a book about all the things we do, to, all the ways the modern world is, try, is actually stealing our children's focus. And one of the things that came out of... Um, one of the things that came out of the faculty reading that book was a decision to um, take to take kids' cell phones during the day and put them keep them in pouches, which sounds authoritarian and shitty, but I actually think it's the right thing. Well, that's what you got to uh, do if you go to comedy shows too, right? Well, yeah, you know what's funny though, like the, the, the like the comedy show better deliver because I can just like I am more likely to walk out and say, "You took my cell phone for this bullshit." <laughs> I, I, I did do that. With, Kids um, don't have that option like, at da- school. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, you know, I saw Dave Chappelle. They took our phones, and I didn't. I never thought about it, and never noticed it, and had to remind myself at the end that they had my phone, and I had don't to get it. Don't forget your phone as you're leaving, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, we, my, my wife dragged me to go see Amy Schumer like last year, and they took our phones. And within like ten minutes, I was like, I want to leave. I oh want my, my God. phone. This is bullshit. This whole show is bullshit. It sucks. I want my. They, they, how dare they? How dare they take my phone and deliver this? You went to see bullshit. Amy Schumer live. I did. Wow. So did, quite a lesson. I, I love her in the the new uh, the new Little Mermaid mm. film. She played herself. Let me tell you something. Uh, there was a time where she was putting out some decent comedy. That time is long, long past. She is. She's unfortunately. I'll stand well, by this. She's garbage. I think she she is on par of a comedian as the joke I just made. I was like that that was not a very creative or deep joke, but it's like man, <laughs> I didn't even realize. Well, at least like I didn't. You know, it's interesting. Like she actually had, um, she had something. You know, look, she had um, she had good writers, and that's doesn't that doesn't take away from her. She had the vision to have good writers. Like she had the vision to have Kurt Metzger on her writing staff. Mm. Right and so and and to let and to allow him free well, reign. She had the vision to um, use a writing staff, like to realize the, her limitations and to use a writing staff. Well, for her sketch, I'm talking about like her sketch show inside Amy Schumer. She had, I mean, to to have Kurt Metzger on your writing team. I mean, you are definitely you that that's a pro in your in your column, okay? Mm. And to allow somebody like Kurt Metzger to write to to write sketches for you. Um, that just tells you that her aperture was very open at the time. Now she's like, you know, I didn't even realize when I agreed to go to the show that she was allowed to host the Emmys and all what were some the Oscars or some stupid show. It's like she, she totally captured, totally, totally like, you know, you feel like she's totally phoning captured. it in at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, and you know, uh, she had a good thing going. The movie Trainwreck was good. Um, again, mostly. I think because of a lot of the support she had, but also, you know, she was part of it and it happened because of her. So you can't take it away. But um, most of so many comedians are just captured now. I mean, it was like she had an opener who was like she comes out on stage and said her big joke was like, I got HR energy. And like, sorry, guys, there's nothing funny about HR. It's designed not to be funny. It's designed... HR is designed to make you tell the joke that you thought was funny and so that they can make it as unfunny as possible and punish you as hard as they can, right? 
So there's nothing funny about HR energy. And um, there was... Give me my this, goddamn this phone was, back. Yeah. Give me my goddamn... I was, I was like literally screaming at my wife like, we are leaving. <laughs> we are leaving. We are not... I, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, how dare how dare they take my phone? So anyway, long way, long way from like yeah. So in a school context, though, they they you know they collect the kids' phones, they put them in there, they now pouch them. The you know the pouches really are like airtight or airtight. They're they're pretty well sealed. This is going to be like I guarantee you there'll be a coin bait, a prime trust situation with some of these pouches where one day they figure out they can't open them and they're they, they lost all the kids phones forever <laughs> that's Ooh. gonna happen one of these days with one of these services i, I could almost guarantee you right but um that'll be a scandal but the this idea of stolen focus um i'm glad like it makes me glad i'm, I'm, I'm gonna read this book and it's a you know and try to fit as a adversarially to understand what my community is up to but it's actually nice that my school community is paying attention to um you know to this idea with the with the kids they you know everyone clearly sees what's going on and it's harder and harder to um like really what is the cost of um you know what is the real cost of all of this this age we're living in right and you know Back when I had a uh, fiat job, um, I was much more, I mean, I'm still very cognizant of this, but it started back back during my fiat career. Um, yeah, the, the idea of focus, like what is my brain focused on and the, having the realization that having an outside intrusion into my my good brain CPU cycles was a disastrous level, level thing to happen to like my flow state. So, I mean, I've been very aware of um, what my focus is on and what things are distracting me for quite a few years at this point. Like I've designed my phone experience all throughout like, okay, turning off basically like the, it, so I, I wear an Apple watch and I have an iPhone and both of these things allow a very granular level, although really not as granular as I, I would like, but a, a, a fairly granular level of individual and customization for notifications. And I've turned almost everything off during my, like, I consider like I have like work hours, off hours, basically I'm essentially like my entire day is chopped up into different sections of time. And like during my work time, uh, I am essentially unreachable by the outside world with a a couple exceptions. Like my wife can send me a message and I will get tapped on the wrist by my watch. But essentially outside of that, I am unreachable while I'm doing certain tasks. Um, Just because I've realized how valuable my attention is when I'm focused on something that I wanna focus on. And man, like having a smartphone is a smartphone is such a valuable tool that I can't get rid of it. I can't separate myself from it. Even a, even a hardcore Bitcoiner who's like moving in the direction of like homesteading and getting off the grid, like man, I can't separate myself from my smartphone. It's too valuable. But what I can do is dramatically limit its functionality to what it can do to me and when. And looking at like my, my parents' right. phones. It's shocking that they just they just expose themselves to any time anybody on Facebook or any any app they're on anybody just has any brief like brains brain spasm my parents devices ring and notify them and like that that is I, I mean I've seen it be catastrophic to their mental processing over the years but like 
I, like, I grew up with them. My parents were the kind of people like telling me to watch out for the internet, and like the internet was dangerous and it would warp my brain. And so like I, I took steps to like I started to see it happen. So like I need to take steps to prevent that. And now I see like, oh man, you guys never took your own advice. <laughs> like, yeah, focus is important, they people. Know, yeah, and it's, it's so funny how captured like that group of people is. Um, you know, a, a, a lot of this book. So I watched. I, I did watch a YouTube video of my school's dean um, previewing this book and talking about it. And um, flow states was a big focus of the book, mm, and that awesome. was like the big, the big, fo- the big well, focus around the cost is have that to look this kids are up. not kids are not getting to experience flow states nearly like what certainly my generation. I'm Gen X, like what we grew up with. You know, we just played with sticks. Even you know, we had video games to distract us, but they weren't that good. You know, mm. they really, you know, they didn't. It wasn't like, um, yeah, really wasn't. And it, they weren't in the palms of our hands. You know, you had to go to your TV and go through quite a process to turn on a video game for the most part. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, and, and like to um, be fair, like while they may not be the most productive flow state, I have achieved flow states from video games before. I mean, like that's one that's one of the things that a video game can do is it can put you in a flow state for hours and hours and hours at a time. Agree. And then you're like, "Oh wait, I didn't accomplish shit this afternoon. Like I need to mow the lawn." But like I can also achieve a flow state mowing the lawn. But do you wonder like the, like the generation of people now who their dopamine is totally fucked. Um, and it's hard to even talk about, right? It's hard to talk about without, because most people who listen to a podcast are like, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand what's going on. I mean, most of us are just, you know, we're getting pinged to hell. Yeah. And like you said, those alerts, like what people don't realize, um, I, you know, I, I realized this probably 10, 15 years ago that, that the alerts like even the sound of the text or the sound of you getting an email, like trigger cortisol release, and your brain can't even distinguish between that and a real threat. And so, yeah, turning off alerts is a big thing. And you know, it's just like that. And but that's like what it's costing us. You know, it's like the most the most um, psyoped really generations are the boomers. And the young kids, right? They're the most um, reactive, right? They're the ones that don't see it coming. For some reason, even the boomers are like, you know, I still get when my they, I still get these chain emails from my parents when they see an email like that was like, you know, kind of like when we share a meme, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> st- no, it's they still it, shared massive chain emails like ah, it's you amazing know? Like, the old legacy stuff that my mom will send me thinking it's fresh content. It's like, mom, I saw this in like twenty. 20- <laughs> 10 maybe but yeah yeah chain emails man that's that's a throwback but like so it's like you have the current generation of kids but at least like at least the boomers and the gen xers like myself like we at least got like you can bring it to our attention and we can probably fix it because we grew up and spent most of our life not being poisoned by not destroying, frankly, our biochemistry and our brain chemistry as children. You're right. You weren't you know? exposed to a smartphone until you were already an adult. Yeah. And so, we like, a lot of us, some of us at least, can see our what we used to have deteriorating, right? Whereas mm-hmm. kids now, it's just so hard. 
It really well, it's like is. each of these and generations you- has a different has a different um, threat model, not a threat model, but like thing, thing that's hobbling them. It's like boomers, yeah, boomers are the most egotistical, self-absorbed people I have ever encountered. Like they, they, are, they are the me generation. It's like everything is about them. It's like fuck the rest of the world as long as, long as I got my RV. It's like, the, yeah, the, that's the boomers. Um, with, okay, with the big asterisks, obviously there are exceptions. There are some good boomers. There's not, not all of them. Um, and then, yeah, but it's like the same, same with the Gen X. Like Gen X and, and like millennials, like I, I, consider my like i'm right on the verge between gen x and millennials and depending on your your definition of it you could put me in either camp really um i was born in 85 and like i grew up with the internet i i remember when we got like i our first computer was an apple 2e with the, the, the floppy disks and then we i remember when we got our first computer that had a graphical user interface and then when we got our first uh, 14 4k modem and like all like, like i grew up with the internet so i, I remember doing book school yep. book reports with physical encyclopedias like, but and so like, I'm like I realize like oh I'm I'm the last generation that will remember any of that shit, uh, but like simultaneously like, that that okay that that puts me in a unique position, but that also makes me like I am I, like I'm not aware of my attack surfaces as much as I should be. Um, it's easier to see somebody else's attack surfaces than your own. But like the, the, like looking at the Zoomers and the, like the digital natives or whatever they call them now, um, like they're they're the thing that's hobbling them is just that they're young and inexperienced. Like, they're get, they don't have any of the legacy baggage on the dollar, so, like, they're going to get Bitcoin much easier than the boomers because they haven't spent their life using, like, a, a shitty monetary technology as your meter stick. It's like, they'll get that earlier, but, like, what they don't have, like, they're, they're young and they're, they're distractible. Like, they're, there's loads of things in the world that is trying to distract them that works on them because they're, they haven't been in the world long enough to see that they're being exploited. So, like... They they'll they'll yeah. do okay. Some of them, the smart ones. But yeah, I think I, I so I do. I'm glad you made this connection because this is where I was going to go now, right? Since we're talking about generations and all this stuff, right? I I think so much of this comes down to fiat corruption, right? And I think the boomers are the most corrupted by fiat because they get the most. They 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 like the the boomers grew up actually before 1971, mm-hmm. right? They were, they have, they grew up with values from their parents who experienced, who grew up with even harder money. Okay. Yeah. Right. And yet, the second the government really showed up and said, okay, actually, this, this stuff we have to offer you is real. <laughs> right. It's real. Here's your, you know, your social security, your Medicare, like you can live on this. You can stop working. You guys, and, and it was true. It was true for them. Right, the corruption completely—it was invasion of the body snatchers for these for this group of people. They weren't always this, uh, this shitty, right? Right. They were once principled. They were yeah. once very strongly principled. Like ring rates. They were and, once men. They were once kings of men, and now they roam and, the earth and wreak destruction and right. havoc. The taint, the taint of fiat, absolutely. They were bought, right? They were yep. absolutely. But and you know what? Not like I can tell you, like the staunchest of savers were co- eventually corrupted because they got they had it so good for so long, right? I mean, my parents resisted all this for a while and then eventually just gave up. They were like, I mean, it's not that they gave up, it's like at some point you convince yourself, no, you know what, this money is real and I'm gonna yeah. enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, that's the same right? as my parents. Like, my, my parents, same. Like, they, they were resistant to it. They lived a bit, like, my dad, had he been born in a different era, would have would have been a very different man. But, I mean, 
he worked for the banks. One of his first jobs was working for the banks. I mean, he was a public school teacher. He, both, both my parents were school teachers. So, I mean, it's difficult for them to put themselves in a position where the state is not your friend. Not, I mean, these handouts no. are coming from Big, big Brother. At Gen X, though, right? So we were raised by the principled versions of the boomers, right? But then we watched them completely break their word by yeah. being corrupted by fiat money, right? And then right. Our, my generation is very corrupted, very, very corrupted by fiat money, not because, we're collect, not because we're collecting benefits, okay? But our jobs are, like, everyone, I think, who is in Gen X is in some position, but right now is probably in some position of leadership that they, they're getting paid more than they should for the majority of their careers. Well, I mean, just, <laughs> just the, for the nature of the how long the Gen Xers have been alive, I mean, you've existed in the fiat system. I mean, yeah, you, you watch the boomers lie to your face and then, and, and like, get away with it. But that's, like, you, you, had, you had the rugs pulled out from under you, but, like, you've been in that system for so long that you had, you had to make your bed in the system. Like, you, you had to exist in it. So yep. you've become money we made, in it to yeah. some point. This, yeah, but so this illusion, we've had this... We've lived in this time where there's been very little, very few layoffs, very few, even during the, even, even 08, right? A 50-year like, bond bull market. Exactly. And that's what, so that's been powering our jobs and our salaries, right? And that's when, you know, I say we are very corrupted by fiat. It's by the value, the perceived value of fiat is, favors us a lot. And, a lot, you know, if you're if we're lucky, I'd say if we're if we're lucky, I consider myself lucky. You figure this out in a time where you can trade that shit for Bitcoin if you're lucky. Right. Most yeah. people are not. I mean, by lucky, you know, look, you create your own luck. Right. Like, mm-hmm. are you humble enough to have Bitcoin appear to you? Right. Yeah. Are, are you humble, are you humble enough, enough to realize that you've built your house on, on a foundation of sand? Like Going back to, not oh my easy. God, I'm a stupid person. Like, I had to go through, <laughs> oh my God, I'm a stupid person for Bitcoin to show up. That this, like, this happened in a literally the six month time period before Bitcoin appeared to me as a valid thing. It's one right. of those, I've moved through cycles in my life of thinking, I like, man, I'm smart. And then, man, I know nothing. And, man, I'm smart. And, man, I'm like, and yeah, same thing. So, I, Bitcoin came to me in a moment, it, Bitcoin became obvious to me in a moment of my life when I had fallen down and I realized like, man, I don't know shit. And out of that, out of that like valley of my life, like that's where Bitcoin emerged from. So you're saying you had a similar experience? Yeah, that's what, like when I finally, when 2021 made me realize like what a dumbass I'd been about certain things, right? And I finally like, you know, like it occurred to me that I'm not, on certain things, I'm actually not the smart one. I'm the I'm, I'm the dumb one. Yeah. And everyone who I thought was dumb is actually the, are are winning, and they're like the smart ones, even if they don't know it. But they, right? And I'm like I'm the moron. You know, I mm-hmm. took the I had to take the L. I took the I you know I took the the shot. That was a big. And then I had a realization. My God, well, that's swallow I'm your stupid. pride, man. I, it's not easy. I did what it. Yeah, and it was very tough. And it was all of a sudden, it was November of that year that Bitcoin appeared as something I should pay attention to. And, and yeah, and the rest because you really were mentally history. receptive, yeah, you, you were you put yourself in a position to get lucky. 
and yeah, you managed to find Bitcoin when like not, it's so early. Like you found Bitcoin when there's pe there's still people out there who will trade you Bitcoin for your government money. It's like that's how early you found Bitcoin. Yeah. It's like and just because you put yourself guys, in a position to be lucky. You might, I mean, some of you may think that I talk about the title of this episode, Oh My God, I'm a Superperson, as a cope, and it's not. It's just what it represents to me is actually profound and special. And I think it's one of the reasons I've, you know, I've gotten as far as I've gotten in a short time is because that's, that wasn't, I've, I, you know, I was creating my own luck and I, I lived that life of, you know, being searching and willing to accept that I'm a fucking schmuck to be better, even if, you know, even in a world where I had no idea what Bitcoin was, right? I was still, I was just playing that game on a much higher difficulty level. Yeah. And everything's harder um, without Bitcoin. That's one of the reasons when I, when we talk, you know, we talk about like blackpilling people, right? But I do think that's like, that's the most important thing to do for people. It's just to disabuse people. Like, I feel like I don't want to tell people they're stupid necessarily, but I want to help them figure that out for themselves in a way where they're not going to yeah. be totally embarrassed. Fiat world is a world where we are, we're discouraged from calling out stupidity and, and like enter, enter a world of hard truths of actual like empirical truth like Bitcoin. It's like, okay, I can only like, I can only put up with stupidity so far. It's like th there's ignorance, like, oh, my kids, oh, they're having fun, oh, that's cute. And then there's like if an adult is acting like my kids, like, hey, what, like what the hell's wrong with you? Like let, let's let's move forward. Let's go somewhere else. Um, but so I think one of the, so you're you're talking about like how you realized you were a stupid person. One of like the thing, it's like part part of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is like the the realization is, is mental expertise. Um, becoming proficient in an area to a point that you realize you are proficient in that area. And for me, like. Me learning Bitcoin and learn like realizing oh there's a lot to learn about Bitcoin and then going out and learning it to the point that I realized oh I now know a lot about Bitcoin and every almost everybody else in the world doesn't and that is giving me a competitive advantage I think that like me realizing that there was a there there and I I had learned a lot about Bitcoin now made me realize in hindsight how little I knew about everything else. And that made me much less, it's like the, the stay humble part of stay, like stack stats and stay humble. It's like becoming, becoming cognizant that you are, that I was not a genius in every dimension and that I was not just some jack of all trades who was, hey, I'm, I'm good at whatever I put my mind to. It's like, no, actually um, there's quite a few things that not only are you, uh, not only are you a zero, you're a negative on this, on this, uh, on this particular dimension. It's like that. That was a. I could only realize that by increasing my score on the Bitcoin on the Bitcoin level, and like that put me at a high enough height that I could look out over the morass and realize, uh, yeah, my my strategic lackings in other dimensions, and I think in hindsight yeah. that probably helped me ascend Maslow's hierarchy a bit. Owning a swimming pool is in that category for me. Of uh, wow, I'm really bad at this, and I don't know if. It's ever going to change. You think buy a swimming pool thinking you're a genius, like, this is going to be the best thing, and then you you have come to the hard realization. Well, I didn't, it's like, so here's a, here's a good construct and a good exercise that I'm sure everyone here has done at some point in their life and seen or seen done, but like, you know, you draw the circle and you cut out a slice of the pie and you say, well, this is all the, the circle is everything knowable in the world, Right. And then this, there's some slice of that that's like, I know I know this, right? 
And then there's like another slice of things you don't know. And you're like, I know these are the things I don't know, right? And it's like a tiny part of the pie that you either know you know or that you know you don't know, right? Mm. And then like mm-hmm. the rest of it is just like, it's almost, in, it's almost, it's almost infinite. The remainder of the things you don't know and that you don't know, you so don't know them, you don't know you don't know them, right? Yeah, right. Um, that is an important anchor to staying humble, right? Is to know that what you actually know in the world is a grain of sand on the, 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 the entirety of matter. Con- yeah. You know I mean, what it's, I mean? It's looking is up at the night sky you and realizing so, your insignificance. But you so don't know so many things that you don't even know you don't know them. And the, you know, one of the things I feel like Bitcoin has helped me with is now knowing, is looking at that pie and saying, you know what, most of this pie is actually not even knowable. Yeah. Right. And like, like the world we live in, why we need Bitcoin so much, right, is to show us what is knowable versus, and then that maybe that is what shows us what is unknowable. Like only a few gifted people like Mises were able to really write about why, you know, to debunk people's ideas that they can't, um, they just can't know. Man, Karl Marx thinks he knows uh, so com- much. He, he thinks he can perfectly sculpt and manicure a market because they know so much. Like, this, this right. process of revelation you're talking about is like the polar opposite of the existence of communists. It's like they, they, are, they are fleeing from this kind of self-revelation. Yeah, clearly, all central planners fall into this trap, right? They yes. think they know what they don't. And that's like the old Twain, it's the old Mark Twain quote. It's not what you don't know that gets you. It's what you think you know, but just ain't so. Yeah. Um, but what, like, what Bitcoin kind of does is it shows you something that's knowable, right? And, that, and then you can say, wow, I, I understand. The set of all knowable things includes this now. Whereas the, the reality was you didn't know this. You didn't know even there was a set of knowable things. Mm-hmm. You just thought that, you know, if I worked hard enough, I can put things from the pie of things I don't know, I know I don't know, into the po- into the part of the pie of things I do know. Like that's part of that's the object of life is to move things from one that from that section from the I don't know to I do know, right? But and you if don't you spend your whole life some, in academia, you think you're doing that. It's like you, you never get out in the real well, world you of get actually this producing illusion. value. But Bitcoin now has created something that actually is knowable. And now has created the set of knowable things, which has now created an even larger set of things that are unknowable. So much of what I don't, you know, much of what maybe the be- the better way to the better goal in life is to take things out of the pie that you think are knowable and realize that they're not. We were exist. That's a that's a really beautiful and awesome way to look at it. We were existing in this like. Gris, like a world of grays and like kind of out, everything was out of focus and not knowable. Enter Bitcoin, this this mon- this brightly lit orange monolith in sharp focus that you can walk around and look at. And just having something that you can wrap your mind around and realize the, the realness of it puts everything else into a slightly different perspective than it was before. Yeah. And it's, again, it's, and so, you know, when I talk, it's, I'm going to 
just ruin the podcast now about because I'm going to now talk quickly just about the like the BlackRock ETF as an example. That's it's something that doesn't. Ma- it's like it's just something that exists that maybe only it doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to a small group of people, but it like matters to a much larger group of people. That's it's just one of those things. Like Bitcoin has shown us something that's knowable, so that the the that is like a. You, it's a grain of sand again, right? And but you realize the rest of the world is not knowable, right? And um, even like you say, oh, I want to be, I want to know, I want to know what I can trust or what I, I want to know about current events. I want to understand this war in the Middle East. And people who actually know that it's not knowable are the people I want to hear from. Like I don't want to hear from anybody else. Yeah. And like the idea, like I didn't even have, I never attempted to understand money before I attempted to understand Bitcoin because it never occurred to me that I could understand it. And then after I understood Bitcoin, they're like, okay, let me try to understand this other money that that I've been using. And like just asking that question put me on the path to become a crazy militant violent extremist according to the FBI and like leaving society in general. Like, yeah, I never knew to ask the question before. And the other money is what powers the illusion that those things are knowable.